0: Alright, welcome back to the Christian Tactician Podcast. I am your host, Adam Yates. Thank you so much for taking the opportunity, taking the time to spend some time with me today. So grateful for all of you who have been supporting me in this venture that I have here in this podcast as I'm trying to uh, encourage men to be Christian men, to be uh, built in and working to be in that, in that example, that lifestyle, that uh, man that Christ called us to be, the pattern that was set forward. Uh, by our Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, it's a lifelong effort that we're trying to do, and and I know it's hard. One of the reasons why I've wanted to do this podcast is because I know it's hard. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for you. We struggle at it. This society, it causes us to struggle. And what we need, uh, oftentimes I find so much in my life when I've struggled. One thing that always helped me is when I have a cheerleader. When I have somebody who's encouraging me, someone who's telling me, hey, you can get through this, you can do it, you can rise to the place, to the level, to the expectations that Jesus Christ has. you got to hang in there. you got to stick with it. Uh, That's what I'm hoping to do for all of you who spend the time listening to me here. You know, I want to to remind you guys that uh, I believe that you were created with purpose. God is a God who knows what He's doing. He's a God of order. He's a God who knows how to orchestrate. He knows how to move things. He knows how to facilitate this jigsaw puzzle of life if we would let him do it. But we do have a part in it. We have a part. We have a a purpose. We have to follow after the commandments that Christ has given us. We have to show our love by our obedience. We have to uh, make efforts every day to try to follow after the example of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we do all these things, when we are putting our heart and our soul towards serving God. He meets us there. He blesses us. You know, I'm reminded of that scripture where it says that you draw nigh unto God and he draws nigh unto you. You start working to get close to him, he's going to start working even harder to get close to you because he has a plan for you. He wants to get you somewhere. And he wants you, men, to be successful as men, to be that full picture of a man, to be that full picture of a Christ-like man. That's what he's looking for. And he didn't put you in this life to fail. That's not what our Lord is about. That's not what he purposed you for. You weren't created to fail. You were created to be successful, but what part do you play in him? You know, God has never been a God who takes away our ability to choose. And every day when we get up, we have this choice to make. Who am I going to follow? What am I going to do? You know, am I going to uh, work to to be the man, to be the Christian that the Lord uh, expects of me, that those of you who are baptized and have committed yourself to God that you promise to be? I also want to remind you of this, you know, the dogs also bark at what they do not know. You know, this world has, has been shown an incorrect and improper picture of what manhood is. You know, I don't know exactly when it started, but I know that if you look before my lifetime, there's been this slow degrading of family. There's been this chipping away at what manhood is. And we see it more and more now. We see it all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm continuously, uh, you know, I have to, to kind of challenge myself or I have to to try to remind myself, you know, I see these sitcoms and things, you know, they're funny. These family style sitcoms are funny, but you know, in so many of them, you have a dad who's an oath. He's an idiot. Overweight and stupid makes bad decisions. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. That gives a terrible picture of what manhood is. And then we have society that has another picture of manhood, that it's uh, someone who sleeps around. Someone who uh, just kind of goes about doing whatever he wants, who's always thinking of himself. There's this other picture of manhood that we see out there. You know, and so when, when we talk about rising to manhood, rising to Christian manhood, rising to the example that we've been called to, to, uh, to look at and to, um, and to emulate, you can understand, I can understand why it makes society nervous. I can understand that because dogs also bark at what they don't know. But I believe, and I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it, you have the ability to make a difference. Even if it's just in your family, you have the ability. You have the ability to show those people who are interacting with you on a daily basis... What a Christian man looks like, what it is to be humble, what it is to be caring of others, what it is to bite your tongue sometimes, you know, what it is to do those things. I want to remind you of those, uh, the four things that I feel so strongly the picture of a man, a man of action. A man does not stand by idle. He's looking for something to do, he's looking to be active against sin. He doesn't just sit around and let life happen. He doesn't just sit around and let life happen and and dangers and sin and things happen in the lives of those around him. No, he's a man of action. A man is a man of responsibility. He desires responsibility. And he accepts the responsibility that he's been given. And that means, for those of you who have a Christian walk, the responsibility in following after Jesus Christ. Not just following after those easy things, but following after the hard things. Following after the example of Jesus Christ and life was not easy for him, but it comes with tremendous blessing and desires responsibility. We should want responsibility. We should want to to have opportunities offered to us. We should want to be able to show other people that we are able to, to be successful in the things that we put our heart and our mind to, desires and accepts responsibility. A man, a Christian man, is a leader. He leads from the front. He's visible. You can see him. He's setting the standard. He's the one who's leading his family in prayer. He's the one who's leading and asking forgiveness. He's the one who is who is visible in his following after Jesus Christ. There must be a leader. There will always be a leader. There is a leader in this world. There's a leader in your spiritual life, when we talk about those things that are not earthly, in Satan or Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Absolutely the truth. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But a a, a Christian man leads from the front. And last, but I think, uh, and I'm going to do a podcast about this coming up soon, uh, about expectation. A Christian man is a man of expectation. He has a greater expectation from God. It's what motivates him. It's what motivates him to make hard decisions. It's what motivates him to get up in the morning and to uh, look at the pattern of Jesus Christ, which is difficult to follow sometimes, and to push through it. It's what motivates him to be different. It's what motivates him to take responsibility, to be a man of action, to be a leader. It's the expectation of something greater from God. All of this is worth it, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Life is is difficult. You know, God is a God of great promise. He's a God who calls us to look forward with hope. He's a God who tells us there is something that is worth your earnest expectation. It's all worth it. He's a God of promise. And He's a God of fulfilling promise. We can bank on that. You know, that should be something that's in the back of our mind every time we face a challenge, every time we realize that we've done something wrong, every time there's, there's a difficulty in front of us that makes us just want to turn around and run away and I know we face them all the time, whether it's problems in your family or whether it's problems in your work or whether it's problems in your personal life It's going on within, within your head, the struggle that you're having. It's easy to say this is too hard. I just want to give in. I just want to give up. I just want to throw up my hands. I want to turn around and run. But a man's expectation of something greater from God is what helps us to hold the line. And God meets us there. So what do I want to talk about today? I had this uh, we had this conversation in one of our morning ministry meetings a couple of weeks ago, and I've really been thinking about it. It's been something that's been on my mind. And one of the brothers had made this this observation And, and and I've thought about this many times in my life and I realize that this is this is truly a problem. You know, my podcast is titled The Danger of Ease. And this observation was made. You know, I think as Christians, and probably I know it is within our, with our, within our denomination, within our church. I'm sure uh, for those of you who are, are are members of other Christian denominations, or think at least this conversation has probably come up. You know that that scripturally we look and we see that. That especially, you know, we look in it in like uh, in the book of Matthew or in the book of Luke, you know, the 24th or the 21st chapters there. It talks about times of trouble and difficulty. And and we look at that and we we recognize that and we consider that to be times of of persecution and things, you know, and, and we try to prepare ourselves for that you know, for Christian persecution. And we know that happens. It happens throughout the world. You know, that there are people even now who because of their belief, because of their belief in Jesus Christ, they are suffering. They are losing homes, they're losing jobs, and they're sometimes losing their life. But, you know, this brother made this observation, and, and it's just been something I've been thinking about over and over again, is that, you know, persecution doesn't necessarily have the desired effect. Because what happens when people are challenged? You know, so often when people are challenged, they bond together, they strengthen each other, they, they firm up their resolve. Think of how many thousands of Christians, as we read in history were subjected to crucifixion and to brutal deaths within the Colosseum and all that. And as I read history and as I understand, a good portion of that would have been, they would not have had to suffer if they only uh, renounced their faith. And yet persecution helped them to hold the line. But what is what is this tool of Satan? What is this, this weapon that he wields today? And, and I think that one of these weapons that he wields today that is, that is far more effective than persecution is ease and easy life. You know, sometimes we, we, we have this improper opinion that success and things in this world can only come from God. And the reality is, if you look at Scripture, you see that, that this world, that this belongs to Satan. This is his throne. This is his kingdom. You know, Christ says, my kingdom isn't this world. This isn't where I'm from. I'm from something better. But Satan has power and he has abilities here. And sometimes I think we get in this mindset where we think that, uh, that he's not able to that Satan is not able to orchestrate things. That he's not able to to do things that put us at, at ease, that make life easier. And you say, well, Adam, that sounds like good, and Satan can't do good. H- However, if you look at what the ultimate end is. See, because there are these things that I recognize happens when life is going well, and you probably know it too. You probably have seen it in your life that when life starts going well, a lot of times we start forgetting. We start forgetting that we need God. We start forgetting that we need Christ. Work is going well, and I've got so much of it. I'm making so much money. Oh, you know what? I have to work overtime this weekend. I've, I've got to. You know, I'm gonna have to miss church. I'm gonna have. You know, there's all these little things that begin to happen when when life starts going well. And what happens is is we begin to focus on that prosperity. You know, I. I, I'm not this huge scholar of history, and so I can't say that this is 100% true. But as I look at history and as I understand it, we probably live in one of the most prosperous and one of the most financially stable and beneficial times everywhere. And if you think about it, when was you know even for those people who are quote-unquote poor in the United States, when was the last time you saw somebody actually starving to death? Have you seen it? Because I haven't. I'm not saying there aren't people who have needs or wants. I'm not saying that there aren't homeless people. Um, I've had the, the blessing of traveling through other countries. You know, I've traveled through Honduras, and in Honduras, I've seen some very poor people, some people who, who they certainly don't have even, a, even a, a significant percentage of what we have here. But even there, I didn't see anybody starving to death. I mean, I did see people with all sorts of sicknesses and in various levels of poverty, but even there, I didn't see that. I've traveled through Africa, through Kenya and Tanzania. Uh, while I didn't see an outrageous amount of fat people there, I also didn't see anybody who looked to me like they were starving to death. Now, the want that they had, you know, I noticed this in Tanzania is, is you know, the struggle that many of them have is clean water. A lot of people die because of things like that. And I'm not saying death and things don't happen in those places. Certainly, I'm not saying that uh, Kenya, Tanzania, some of these foreign places are as blessed as here. But, you know, we really do live in this time where globally we take care of the needs of others. You know, all of a sudden there's some catastrophic event that happens in some faraway country, and the United States or the United Nations or some of these countries respond. They send aid, they send food, they send money, they send all these things. There's not really a lack of prosperity in our particular time and age. And I think about that, and I think, okay... What, what, is, what do the Scriptures say about these things? And what do they say about uh, maybe even our time? And so I want to read two different readings here, both from in the same chapter of 2 Nephi chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 30 and 31, and then I'm going to go backwards and read verse 25. So here, here it is, 2 Nephi 12, verse 30 and 31. Wherefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know, this this particular word Zion, you see that throughout Scripture and for all of the different opinions and things you have of it. You know, my understanding of Zion in this general broad sense is the kingdom of God, right? It's a kingdom which has a king, and that is Jesus Christ. And I hope that you consider yourself a part of that kingdom, that you're working to be a member of it, that you're working to be productive within it. But this warning is there. It says, be careful. Watch out, those of you who are at ease in Zion. To him that says everything's fine, all is well. It Says woe be unto him that hearkens to the precepts of men. You know, these precepts of men of mankind today are are the ones that that tell you that that hey, you should take advantage of this time of prosperity. You know that hey, I mean even think about stuff like ah man, it's all right. Just you know, put it on your credit card. You can pay it later. You know, you deserve these things. These precepts of men. You know, you only live once. So, you might as well. You know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Precepts of men. If you, don't, if you hear me say that and you don't think that's an equivalent, you're absolutely wrong. These are the things that men uh, are, are saying. And you know, what Satan is saying hey, we live in this good time. You can, you can just enjoy an easy life. Woe unto him that says, all is well. But then it says that woe that will be unto him that, that hearkens to the precepts, the learning, the teaching, the, the, the things that man says, and it says, and denies the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, it's the power of God, it's the gift of the Holy Ghost that convicts us and that encourages us and that tells us the things that we ought to do and where we should let our eyes go and what we should let our thoughts consider and all of these things. God is working. He's trying to work in your life. He's trying to, to uh, encourage you and push you one way or the other, but he, he doesn't take away your choice. But his power and the and Holy Ghost, they, they call to you and they try to encourage you. And one of the problems is, is when we find ourselves at ease, we begin to ignore those things. We find ourselves challenged. We grasp at them. We hope for them. We pray for them. But when life is going good, man, it becomes so easy. Verse 25, it says, And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, All is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth all as well. This talks about how Satan works. Says that he's going to be talking to people and he's going to say, "Hey, everything is good. Your life is going well right now. Look at everything you have. Look at all these things that you have. Life is going pretty good. Life is going good." You know, life is about being challenged and we don't like that. You know, we don't like that. We don't like being. And I get that, right? Everything about about uh, mankind, you know, if you look at the things we do, we do things to try to make life easier, don't we? Everything that we do is designed to make things just a little bit easier. I think about it. There was a time when it seemed like every year we were doing hikes down the Grand Canyon. And, you know, it became, because you, you know you to have to walk all the way down. It's like seven miles down, seven miles across, another seven or so miles up the other side. And, you know, you do everything you can to try to make your load as light as possible. And there was like a year when when everybody, it was like this, almost like this competition to try to get the lightest load ever. And I remember one of our brothers, you know, he took a toothbrush, but what he did is he cut off three quarters of the handle, and it saved him some weight. It would be just a little bit easier. And I'm not saying that's that particular aspect is bad. I'm just, this this is the nature of man. We want to make things easier. And Satan, I think, wants to make things easier for us. I think it's easy to, to just uh, click on the the, uh, the internet and watch a live streaming service when you just don't feel like getting up and going to church. And that's not what the Lord wanted. You know, there's 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 lots of ways we can do that. And I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody who who is unable to be at 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 a church local and so they access it through the internet. I mean, it's a great blessing, but it also puts us in the position where we can begin to make excuses why, well, you know, I got a headache today and I just don't really feel like it. I'm really tired and all that. And and it can become an ease. I have here in my notes, I have riding a mule down the Grand Canyon as opposed to running it. You know, Uh, It was probably 2005. Another brother and I decided we were going to do a rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. Now I've been working out quite a bit and I was in really good shape. And so we ran the Grand Canyon. And so we started on the north rim. We ran all the way down. We ran across the bottom. We stopped in Phantom Ranch to get some lemonade and then ran up the other side as much as we could, but we hoofed it all the way up. And I made it rim to rim in just a little over seven hours. And it was quite an accomplishment. Uh, To me, it was really an accomplishment. And I was encouraged to do that because the previous year when I'd gone through the Grand Canyon, uh, I'd come up the other side and I was waiting for everybody else. And there was a bunch of guys who were involved in a race who came up that other side who ran the whole thing. And I talked to a guy and he says, yeah, we run this every year. And he had done it in three hours. Phenomenal. At least that's what he told me. That seems like an awful fast pace. But, you know, and I thought about that. Because you go to the Grand Canyon and there's something else you can do. You can rent a mule and you can ride a mule up and down the Grand Canyon and it's easy. And yet when you're done, of course, you're going to see beautiful things, but there is a sense of accomplishment that you lack. And I think that's something that is important as men. We, we want to accomplish things. We want to accomplish things. And, and, and the, the truth of the matter is you have a hard time accomplishing things if you're not willing to be challenged and if you let yourself be at ease. I think men need to be active. We need to be doing something, learning, trying, building things. You know, I think we need to be doing that. I think we need to be challenging ourselves. I think one of the biggest problems that we have is we get home from work or whatever our, our, our day entails, and we sit down and we begin to play, or we begin to be distracted because it's easy, and because we're tired. And 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 I say that falling into that trap almost every day, and I think it's dangerous, and it's something I've been trying to to challenge myself on. There's a uh, uh, a website and also he does a podcast it's called the art of manliness i have no connection to him but i enjoy the the podcast i enjoy the the website and there was a video uh, that they put out a couple years ago and it's called i it's probably something like how to feel like a man or you don't feel like a man how to how to feel like a man and and it started out by basically giving some statistics that x amount of of young men say they don't feel like a man this person who does this art of manliness gave the answer said if you want to feel like a man act like a man you you want to experience the grand canyon go hike the grand canyon you want to get in shape get off your butt go out and do some push-ups go and hike go and walk begin getting in shape it doesn't just happen be active be doing don't be at ease you know something i want you to think about you know, fathers, this happens also in our families, especially when we're not setting the standard. We let our families become idle. And and this is something that, you know, uh, we've we've started struggling with this in my family and, and I'm trying to I I need to address this better, is it you know, Um, tablets, uh, video game systems. You know, I mean, we don't let our kids play on it a lot. In fact, very little, but there are days when we've just got a whole lot going on and we kind of let our kids camp out for a couple hours on those things. And you know, life seems to be worse when we do that. Our kids' attitudes seem to be worse when we do that. We let our kids and our families become idle. You know, do you fail to have dinner around the kitchen table and talk about your day? We've been doing that less in my family and we need to remedy that uh, because, you know and sometimes we want to watch a movie or something as a family with dinner but sometimes it's just because I'll be honest with you my couch is so much more comfortable than my kitchen chairs I, I ought to do something about that you know sometimes we just we're tired but I, I feel like that's really my failure because it's when we're it's when we're the most tired it's when we're the most uh, weary that we need to push ourselves the hardest that's when the real work is done but I, I know this happens that we fail to um to have dinner around the table and talk about our day. We fail to sit down and talk to our kids about what they're learning at school, to hear what they're being influenced by, to make sure that they're learning the things that they should, see how they're doing well or where they're failing or they having struggles with other kids. These things, you know why? Because we're at ease. There's other things that we can do that occupy our time. And doing that takes effort. It takes planning. It means sitting down and it, sometimes it means trudging through the, you know, the conversation. It's like every Sunday when I ask my kids, what'd you learn in Sunday school? I don't know. You know what and, and I have to push and push and push to get them to reiterate what it is that they heard, what it is that they learned, and then to reinforce that. It takes time. And it's easier to do other things. You know, I, I think as men, we fail to spend time with our children and our wives and talk to them about what's going on in their lives. The the aspect of, of manhood that we've talked about in previous podcasts on being a king is that oversight is looking at and is recognizing where everybody's at in their life, what their challenges are and what their difficulties are. And we don't know what that is if our eyes are not looking at them and if are, and if we're not having conversations and trying to understand where they're at and what they're struggling with in their life. This is something that we have to do and it takes work and it's easier to do other things or to do nothing and yet woe unto him that is at ease. I think we let this happen in our spiritual lives and this is a problem because as I said early on, life gets good and we let things begin to slip. We stop studying as much. You know when there's this time in my life, where I, I kind of had this spiritual awakening and I decided I wanted life to be different. I wasn't satisfied with where I was. I was struggling. I, I kept waiting for a better life to just come around and it never came around. And finally, I decided, you know what, I'm going to look at the examples of those men and those women around me who have good lives and successful lives. They seem to be happy. What is it that they did? What is it that they're doing? And I decided I was going to emulate it. And so what did I do? You know, I began studying more. I got into my scriptures And I was excited about it. And I was learning things. And I was learning things. And I was making changes in my life. And life became better. And life became good and blessed. But what's happened? You know, sometimes I struggle with motivation to read the scriptures. I lean on my ability to recall scriptures pretty well rather than constantly looking and letting my understanding of God's word grow. Why? Because I've become at ease. We let this happen in our prayer life. When you are being challenged, you know, you've heard this before in sermons and things, you know that faith is a muscle, and muscles only grow when you're working them out. Our faith grows when we're challenged, but no one wants to be challenged. I hate being challenged. You know, I've gone through terrible trials, difficult things, and you know, the only thing that blessed me was God, and when I came out the other side. I was stronger. I was better. But it was difficult, and it was painful, and it's easier to not have challenges and difficulties. And when life gets good, we let our prayer life fail. Because there's been days and there's been times when I've been in challenges that the only reason I made it day by day was because I spent almost every moment in prayer. And I'm not exaggerating. You know, Lord, I just need you now. You have to help me. Help me through this minute. Help me through this hour. You have to help me through this night. I think we let the examination of our spiritual health slip. We become at ease and things begin to enter in. And you've probably heard the analogy of boiling a frog, right? You drop a frog in a boiling, uh, in a a super hot pan or a boiling hot pan, a thing of water, and he's gonna jump out. But if you put him in regular water and you turn the heat up and it slowly heats, he ain't gonna jump out. And I think this is what happens in your life, in the lives of your family. You know, slowly but surely, because life is good and and things are easy and we're comfortable, things begin to start just kind of wiggling their way in and slipping their way in just a little bit at a time, the slippery slope of sin and of life. And next thing you know, we're allowing things that we never would have allowed before. And it's difficult to face it, to challenge ourselves, to make a change, but, but we have to do it. We let ourselves get at ease until a challenge comes. And then, this is the problem, is that We let ourselves get at ease and then a challenge comes and then all of a sudden we're overwhelmed. We're buried. Just like if you never work out. You never hike a mountain or anything, and next thing you know, you're faced at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It says, walk up. We have to exert so much energy, and we're not in shape. We might just choose to give up. And this is one of the challenges, I think, that this world offers so much ease, and we play into it, and we give into it. But someday, if challenges really do come, we may not have the spiritual strength because we've let ourselves sit on the couch and become lazy. And I say this to myself, this is my struggle. This is where I'm at, and I need to work harder on this. I have to be a man of action in this, and it's it's difficult, and it's something that uh, that I you know I'm struggling. I'm struggling in this. But we need to think about this. I'm going to draw this to a close. I'm going to read a scripture. And I'm going to give my closing thoughts here. Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 23 through 25. Christ, he's talking to the people, and it says, He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself? or be cast away. You know, you've probably heard sermons, you've heard ministry talk about this. What is it to take up the cross daily? My very first podcast I did, I talked about this burden of manhood. And I told you guys in there that, you know, at our youth camp, in our man class one year, we decided that we were going to give this example, and we picked up a big old slab of granite, like a big parking block, and we carried it with us everywhere we went. You know, you consider it to be whatever you want it to be. That's my Christian responsibility to Christ, and uh, based on my, my commitment through baptism, That's my responsibility to be a man in times of trial and difficulty. You know, it's the cross that I have. Something that is difficult, something that is heavy to bear. You know, if you think about it in terms of what Christ had to do, I'm certain that that cross that they hung him on that he had to walk with, I'm sure it was heavy and it was difficult. And I bet he didn't have the strength to pick it up and just run up there. I bet he was dragging it. By all indications, it seems like it was a real struggle for him. And Christ says, you know, if you want to follow after him, it means denying yourself, man who wants a life of ease. And pick up a cross and follow. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Expectation, right? Be men of expectation. We're looking for what happens at the end of the 85 or so years we spend on this earth. That's really what we're banking on. That's really what we're looking forward to. That's what we're looking forward to. It's what we have to have in our mind. We have to have it as that goal, that motivation that's before us. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? You've all heard this analogy or this, or this example before. You know, there's no U-Haul in a cemetery. You don't get to take any of it with you. And I'm not saying that we don't work to try to provide and to do good things and and, and I know that when we make money, you know, we're able to be generous, we're able to, to do all these good things, set our family up, you know, good for the future and all that. But remember that it's so easy to become at ease. And the other thing I want you to think about, you know, as you look at life and you consider opportunities and things like that, especially when it comes to things like money and jobs and positions and all of those things that offer security and all of that, I want you to remember that God's not the only one who's able to open doors. God's not the only one who's playing the long game. He's not the only one who's able to orchestrate things. So how do we make decisions? How do we make decisions about what we do and where we go forward? Well, it's when we spend this time in study, in prayer, in prayer. In examination with mentors around you, friends, and those people who can help to encourage you and help you to see the big picture and kneel down and pray with you and help you through all of these things. So I want you to consider all of these things today. Again, I appreciate the time that you've given me. I hope that you find some encouragement. I hope that you find yourself challenged a little bit. I, As I prepared this podcast, you know, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, man, I'd like to say I was preaching to the choir, but I find myself uh, in so much need of everything I talked about here today, because I found myself in a place of ease. And it's not a good place. It's not a good place when when you begin to consider that that it's so easy to let things begin to slip. And that's not what we're called to be. We are called to be men of Christ, following after the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So arise from the dust and be men.